Good morning and welcome back to the Bonafide Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Chris Cottrell, with more than 10 years of NCAA Division I and Division II men's basketball coaching experience. The Bonafide Basketball Podcast is the only podcast with weekly episodes devoted entirely to NCAA Division II men's basketball programs, players, and coaches. Be sure to like, subscribe, and download the Bonafide Basketball Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast episodes. For the most up-to-date NCAA Division II men's basketball news, notes, and analysis, please follow the Bonafide Basketball Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. We have reached the halfway point of the NCAA Division II men's basketball season. We are at the Christmas holiday break, and as always, there is a mandated time during this uh, period of the year for players to go home, relax, spend time with their family, recharge, and as we all are aware, in 2020, it is so important to manage our own mental health and our student athletes mental health our coaches mental health so while we're talking about that there have been coaches and administrators across the country making difficult decisions and having difficult conversations on behalf of their student athletes first and foremost a shout out a round of applause and a a moment to acknowledge all of the coaches the assistant coaches the GAs sacrificing their time, the administrators sacrificing their time, sacrificing so much to have the conversations and make the decisions necessary to put their student athletes in the best possible scenario during this pandemic. For some schools, that means they're playing. Some schools, that means they're not playing. There is no right answer, but we have to acknowledge the difficulty and the variables involved in making these decisions. The coaches, the administrators deserve a round of applause for being involved in difficult conversations and making difficult decisions across the country. I do not envy their situations. Again, there are no right or wrong answers, but we trust that through these difficult conversations and challenging decisions, everything is being done with the best interests of the student athlete and the players at heart. And so, thank you. I don't know if you've been told thank you, administrators, coaches. I don't know if you've been told thank you if you decided that your team isn't playing. But thank you. If you decided your team is playing, thank you. You are doing a difficult job and you deserve to be acknowledged for what you are going through. So take some time to recharge, take some time and spend it with your family because there are more meetings, there are more Zoom calls, there are more decisions to be made going forward. As we discuss difficult decisions and unfortunate situations, when we look around the country, we see leagues, conferences, teams opting out, canceling seasons. One such league was the Northeast 10 Conference in the East region of NCAA Division II, who announced on December 15, 2020, the cancellation 
of their regular season and championship competition in their winter sports. This obviously includes men's basketball. However, the President's Council is allowing each NE10 member institution the ability to determine if it will engage in independent athletic contests this winter. For men's basketball programs in the Northeast 10, they can conduct team activities, practices, and trainings and compete against outside competition if their institution decides to do so. They will adhere to NCAA policies, state, public health regulations. But once again, this is left to the individual program and institution to make a decision as to whether or not they will compete against outside competition. The Bonafide Basketball Podcast will continue to follow the member institutions and the men's basketball programs in the Northeast 10 to monitor any games or contests upcoming in 2021. Taking into consideration the Northeast 10 Conference and their most recent announcement to cancel men's basketball, it is now my pleasure to welcome a head coach in the Northeast 10 with firsthand knowledge of the trials and tribulations of a head coach not fortunate enough to be playing right now during this pandemic. And I'm really happy and thankful that uh, head men's basketball coach Mike Perno from St. Rose has uh, been kind enough to join the pod today. So, Coach, like I want to break the ice with you. We're both, we're both here in upstate New York, um, about 45 minutes north of you. Uh, last Thursday, you know, I know your area got almost two feet. We got about three feet of snow up in my area. I follow you on Twitter. I know you're a Giants fan, and, and, and we're both losing out and missing out on, on high school basketball, college basketball. Upstate New Yorkers, man, we've had a tough go the last, like, four or five days. It has been brutal. So how are you doing? And thank you for joining the podcast today. Well, thanks a lot for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, it's been <laughs> tough sledding, you know, no pun intended. Uh, I was headed out with my snowblower the other day. And when the snow is above the top of the spout that shoots the snow, that becomes rather taxing. So uh, I had a really good workout. That's the only thing I good out of, out of it when I was out there for about three hours. But uh, yeah, the snow, uh, snow came. Uh, we've gotten a couple uh, days here. The last couple of days is kind of melting a little bit, but we'll, we'll have snow on the ground. Uh, hopefully through, hopefully yeah. not through the end of April. Um, hopefully it clears up sooner than that. But, and as my giant, as for my giants, I was disappointed <laughs> in their performance Sunday. I know my little guy's a big fan as well, but Hey, it was not out of it yet. So two games left. We're going to have to figure out a way to, you know, maybe. Yeah. You know, the NFC East has not been short of miracles so far. So, you know, that is, uh, that is for sure. I I love the picture of you and your son, man, with the Christmas tree and the giants gear. And, you know, it's just, that brings back so many memories for me. It's so cool to, uh, to share that, that Sunday afternoon. So, um, you know, what, what a, what a unique situation we're in here in upstate New York. And we're going to talk about uh, high school basketball being paused a little bit later in the podcast. But the first question, Coach, uh, for really whoever I've had on always seems to be the most difficult. And, and let's jump right to it. On uh, December 15th, 2020, the NE10 decided to cancel the men's basketball season. So take us into the room when you heard uh, of that decision what was that announcement like for you? Did you have any idea that that was coming down the line? It was, uh, it was obviously a unique situation. It's been a tough year on everybody. 
there's been ongoing conversations. Uh, there's a lot of debate back and forth. I, I know, you know, not only uh, with the presidents of the college, but with the NE10 itself, the ADs, the coaching staffs. Uh, we've been on numerous meetings uh, dating back through when the pandemic first started uh, back in March. So it's been an ongoing discussion. I wouldn't say I had a feel one way or another. Uh, I think that the NE10 and I think the presidents of each of the colleges of the NE10, the first and foremost, obviously, is the health and well-being of our student athletes. And they just felt like at this time, you know, with the cases really surging, especially in the Northeast area, and the, the combination of that, along with having teams uh, in our conference from New York, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, um, you know, states that are somewhat bordering, but are all in different unique circumstances as far as numbers are concerned. I think they just felt at this time it's best that we postpone uh, league play for the for the year, but they did leave it up to each individual institution. Uh, and that's uh, something that each individual institution has to figure out over the next uh, couple weeks. But at St. Rose, we, we remain optimistic. We're hopeful. Uh, the plan right now is for our team to return January 18th. Uh, to get a couple of weeks of workouts in. And, uh, if, you know, if we can put together a schedule, I'm not sure what that looks like right now, but uh, we are going to do everything in our power to give these student-athletes an experience Absolutely. That they deserve. I, you know, I, it's hard to argue with any decision that's being made, you know, around the country. I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer at this point. There are so many variables that, that everyone's dealing with. Um, how did your players handle that announcement? Were they on campus with you for you to speak to them or did you have to do it through zoom? What was that conversation like with your team? We had a zoom meeting uh, probably within the hour of, uh, of our meeting with uh, the athletics director uh, after the decision had been made and before the NE 10 uh, made the announcement publicly. Um, and I just told the, the players and they've, they've been really first class uh, all the way uh, from the time they've arrived in September. We, we kind of talked about the unknowns going forward. Uh, we all knew that there was obviously a serious pandemic. Uh, we, you know, lost them back in April. They had to leave campus. So uh, it, it was nice to get them back for, for a few weeks and for mm -hmm. a few months, I should say. And they were, they were, I wouldn't say they were, uh, they were, they were discouraged, but they were at the same time, it, it wasn't a surprise to them. I think uh, the one thing that we've really focused on since we've returned is control the controllables. And I told them that what's here today may be gone tomorrow. What's gone today may be here tomorrow. So that's just life in general. Uh, even every day, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you know, it might, something might you know, flash before your eyes, especially in 2020 where you didn't expect it or, you know, something is unexpected comes, comes to fruition. So these guys have been rolling with the punches. They've kind of known uh, that uh, there's going to be a lot of, you know, questions and a lot of answers that we need. Uh, no one really had them at the point at that time. So the other thing is, <clears throat> I think the NCAA, given each of the student athletes their extra year back, uh, this has been a bonus year in, right. in some case. So we really, we really harp on, you know, controlling the controllables and also anything they do this year to, to make themselves a better player, a better student, better person, is going to go a long ways because they're going to get a chance to. Right. I this. think that's, you know, kudos to the NCAA for doing that, for, for having the foresight to uh, make that change, at least for next year. Um, you mentioned in, uh, in your first bit of discussion there, and, and I talked about it at the onset of our episode, the institutions in the NE 10 are left to make a decision as to whether or not they want to pursue opportunities for outside competition. Is St. Rose a school where those conversations are happening? Uh, 
you know, I, I know as coaches, as, as players, everyone wants to compete and play. Uh, is that something that the school is entertaining? Absolutely. Uh, right now, the plan is for us to return, like I said, uh, the 18th. Um, as far as the schedule and putting pieces together, I've just been talking to a lot of the other schools, uh, coaches in the NE10, uh, a lot of other schools in our uh, area in New York State that might be in a different league, well, the East Coast Conference, the CACC right. as well. And I'm just trying to basically reach out to as many people as, 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 as we can and, and say, hey, you guys playing or you're not playing and, you know, kind of just, you know, we'll play, we'll play anybody at this point. Uh, we just want to give our guys a chance to compete against some outside competition, whether it be a Division One, or two, an NAIA, or whoever, wherever it makes the most sense. Uh, obviously, uh, and speaking with our athletic director, uh, you know, playing other teams in New York State obviously would be something that uh, is at the forefront for us because of the, you know, any travel restrictions we don't have to ab abide by and things like that. So um, I think it's going to be a work in progress. But the, the plan right now is to get back and to get and to get back practicing and to and to put some type of schedule. Good, together. OK, that's that's really encouraging. I know, uh, you know, in the Clifton Park area, the Albany area cases have been been rising. So. To hear that St. Rose is really considering that, that, that is really encouraging, I think, for uh, a lot of student athletes, both both winter and going forward, that they're going to get a chance to compete. You need 11 games, Coach, to be eligible for an NCAA tournament appearance. You know, how difficult, how much of a challenge have you felt like that may be to get to get those 11 games based on who you're talking to? I think it will be a um, The one thing that we do have going for us is that we have – to some of the division close to us, University of Albany, Siena. Uh, U Albany's played their third game yesterday in the, in the past four days. So I think really trying to, to be ready to play, uh, even if you're not scheduled a game on, on a weekend and it's a Thursday and, and all of a sudden, you know, a team is available to play on a Saturday, uh, it'll be up to obviously each individual institution and working with the coaching staff and the players to make sure that their protocol is in place. And I think really what you're going to see is a lot of back-to-back, -back, a lot of you know, two games over a two-day period and maybe four games over a six-day period and really try to just lump in as many games as you can with the idea and understanding that you potentially may lose a few games. So right. I think it's going to be uh, play it as you go and hopefully you can get the 11 in. I think if we do get up and running and we, you know, even if we start a season in February, you know, that gives us five, six weeks to get 11 games in. So, you know, we can get two games a week even at that point. Um, and maybe even additional, a couple additionals uh, more. I, I think we can get to that number. Uh, but that obviously is something that we really can't map out. That's one of those questions that really can't be answered until you actually get to that point. Right, right. And, and so you mentioned earlier when you're having the conversations with your players, like you just don't, you just don't have answers for them. And we're talking about that right now, even trying to, to schedule games. There really are no answers and, and I know in my personal situation, I try to communicate to our high school kids and their parents, uh, you know, as much as I know at the time. And, and it's got it's such a challenge for people, um, you know, in this circumstance, you know, not just coaches, but everyone like to not have answers. How challenging has that been for you throughout the first semester uh, to really to, to like not have answers for your guys? Yeah, I think it's been a challenge since the pandemic began. I mean, nobody yeah. really had the answers when, you know, they started shutting down, you know, the different parts of the country. Uh, and really since March, the, 
the whole situation has been unknown. When are we going to be back? You know, when are restaurants going to open? Uh, you know, when are we going to be able to travel again? And we still don't have the answers that we're looking for. I'm hoping uh, with the development of the vac- vaccines and some, and some other, you know, therapies that eventually we can beat this as, as, a, as a society, as a nation, uh, and we can get back to having answers. But this is the year of the unknown, 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what goes on tomorrow? I, I don't know. Uh, you know, who gets diagnosed with, uh, with the coronavirus tomorrow? No one, no one knows. So it's really, it's really a lot of unknowns. And like I told you in the beginning of the podcast, and I, and I continue to harp with our guys, is we can only control what we can control. So that's, you know, getting up in the morning, making sure we're doing our schoolwork, making sure that we get into the gym, making sure we get out on a run, you know, making sure we get into the weight room. You know, things that we can control, we have to continue to control. And all of the other things that, you know, that what ifs or how comes or, you know, when, uh, those will have to answer themselves, but we'll just have to keep taking it day by day. As cliche as that sounds, that's really the only way you do it. And I, you know what, to be honest with you, that's how I do it in my personal life as well. Now, uh, right. you know, every day, take it day by day and see what the day brings and, and attack the day. And that's what we really focus on with our, with our players. Yeah. And, and, and one thing that we talked about a little bit before the podcast, before we started this, uh, was everyone seeing, you know, Duke, Carolina, um, Kansas, all the, all the top 25 schools, Gonzaga, they're playing. And there are a number of variables that those programs are working through to compete. So, you know, we're talking right now, control the controllables. You've got a whole different set of variables that you're trying to control uh, with your team and your program to make sure that you guys stay healthy, that they can get back to campus. What shed some light on your first semester for us uh, and, and the listeners, um, because, you know, not playing brings its own unique set of challenges to you and your program. So, you know, shed some light on what your first semester has been like and what are some of those things and variables that you're facing by not playing right now? You know, there was a lot of open communication amongst our players uh, with the institution itself. Um, I thought the institution uh, as a whole did an unbelievable job monitoring uh, this whole the whole entire pandemic, uh, bringing the students back to campus safely. Uh, we had, you know, different um, uh, sports that, you know, started a little bit sooner. The, the, you know, the spring, uh, the fall sports were allowed to get out there and start working. Uh, we probably started up two weeks into the semester in small groups. We saw with, saw with individuals and then into small groups and then into, you know, groups of 10 or less. And we kind of, you know, phased in our approach. And I really think that we did a, a great job. Uh, the college did a great job. I mean, we kept our guys until a couple of days before the Thanksgiving break. Uh, and then we went remote learning for the, for the, uh, the, the final two weeks there for them to finish up their, uh, their, their academics. But for the most part, uh, you know, we followed the protocols. We didn't really have any issues internally. Um, we were able to practice and compete uh, for a couple of weeks before we broke. We got a lot done uh, and a lot more guys got a lot more individual attention because we weren't really doing a lot of contact stuff. We were doing a lot of dribble, pass, shoot, uh, things of that nature. So uh, non-contact stuff. So I think guys really used the time uh, wisely. And I really have a great staff that was up in the gym with our guys working them out. And, you know, we followed all the safety protocols and, you know, masks. We had gloves up there. We're feeding our guys the basketball and, you know, guys really worked on their game. So I think for, from a preseason standpoint and from, you know, from a, from a semester coming back after what we experienced uh, in the spring, I think it was a home run. I, I, you know, I'd give the college an A plus on, on the way they, they handled it. And I, I'd give our players an A plus as well for the way they handled it. That's awesome. It. That's awesome. And you mentioned, you mentioned wearing the gloves. 
you know, I know, you know, Andre Cook really well. I'm, I'm close with Andre down in St. Edwards, and we had him on the podcast earlier at the very onset of, of all this, of the individual workouts. And, you know, we're talking afterward, and he says, yeah, he's like, Chris, you know, I got gloves on. I got hand sanitizer hanging out of my pockets. He's like, I'm going to practice, yeah. and I've never seen anything quite like it. So, you know, it, it, it goes to show, you know, I think – I think one thing that we're all learning throughout the pandemic is like how much we really appreciate what we do, you know, and, uh, and, and to adjust on the fly, like we're doing to uh, make accommodations for our players, uh, the way that we are both academically and athletically. I mean, you know, college coaches, high school coaches, you know, I know that if I got the okay to go ahead and compete, I would do everything in my power you know, to follow, you know, follow the rules and do exactly what they're asking, just so to give the kids a chance to play. You know, we all love it so yep. much. I mean, I, I just, I picture Andre walking out there with hand sanitizer and gloves and, and you're wondering what the what, what's going on. But, uh, but yeah, kudos to you guys for getting you guys in the gym and, and getting back to reality as, as much as you could. Did you get to any five on five yet? Have you been, you've been able to go up and down uh, before the announcement came? Yeah, we got about a week, a week and a half of five-on-five. Five. Um, like I said, a lot of it was dry. You know, and, and, and going back to, 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 you know, Andre's a great guy and, and obviously a, a guy who I, I look forward to advice. He's, he's been a, a mentor of mine. And, uh, you know, just you don't want to be the one that's not following the protocols. You don't want to be the one that's going to, you know, uh, put yourself in a situation where you're going to bring the virus back to your team and now your team has it. Now you can't compete. Now you can't practice. Now you can't play. And I think for our guys, just getting it, just the fact that they're in the gym every day, having the opportunity, even if it's dry, even if it's just shooting, even if it's just ball handling, just to be able to have that experience. Uh, it, it's just from a mental health standpoint as well. It's just so it's critical for those guys because that's what they've done their whole life. They've gotten up, they've, you know, they, they take care of their academics and then they, they get in the gym and, and we got gym rats, you know, that's what I recruit. I know Andre recruits yeah. gym rats, guys that want to be in the gym, calling the assistant coach. I mean, my assistant's up five 30 in the morning, working guys out. So, these guys just need that in their life, and I think it, it helps them be well-rounded uh, in, in society as people. And, you know, you just don't want to be that person that, you know, puts yourself in a bad situation where you're going to bring that stuff and, and put yourself in, in harm's way. So, like I said, I think our guys handle it first class. I think a lot of colleges in the country are handling it first class. You look at around the country of who's playing and guys that have had to shut down. And, you know, 87% of the colleges are still yeah. playing. and. You know, that's 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 remarkable considering how 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 flooded this coronavirus hit hit the United States. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and I know this. I'm sure you feel the same way. But for coaches, being in the gym is therapeutic. Like I'm missing it big time. Absolutely. I am missing it, you know, big time. And uh, it's not necessarily the coaching. It's just the relationships. It's getting guys better. It's, you know, it's not being home at three o'clock in the afternoon when it's dark out in upstate New York, you know, you want to be working, you want to be Absolutely. doing stuff. So yeah, like kudos to you and the university and, and continued success in that area. Uh, as we, as we kind of make a turn here, you're a St. Rose grad coach. Uh, you played there for two years. You were an assistant coach for 12 seasons and you served uh, coach Brian Bury, who is so highly respected in upstate New York. I've heard him speak uh, on, on multiple occasions. Nothing could have prepared you for 2020. But thinking back to your experience with Coach Bury, what did he instill in you? What did you learn from him 
that really helped you prepare for the head coaching opportunity that you got three years ago? He was a, he was a stay the course guy. He, um, you know, he, no matter what we threw, what you threw a coach, uh, you know, he, he, he made it, it's, it's going to be a good thing. Uh, regardless of how negative it was, he was always finding the positive in it. And I think that's what we've done. And, you know, coach, obviously I got a chance to play for him. I got a chance to work alongside of him. Uh, Mike Long, uh, who coaches at Hudson Valley, he was an assistant for seven years. So being sitting between coach Long, who was the first ever coach at St. Rose and then coach Bury, uh, who took over after Coach Long left, to be in the middle of those two guys for seven seasons, I mean, what, a, what, a, what an education I received. I mean, it was something that you can never pay for. You can never go to school and get. Um, I literally learned the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs. And working for Coach uh, was unbelievable because he wasn't a delegator. He was a guy that said, all right, this is what we need to do to get it done, how we want to get it done. Go do it. And, you know, he, he let me, you know, have a, have a chance to – be in all facets. I was involved in scheduling, practice planning. I was involved in recruiting. I was involved in the meals. I was involved in hotels, you know, arrangements. And, uh, you know, it's, he really taught me everything about the business, how to conduct yourself professionally, you know, how to make things, you know, that seem negative into positives. And really at the end of the day to stay the course. And I still speak to coach, you know, uh, at least once, twice a week and uh, pick his brain because he just has so much to offer, not even in a basketball sense, but just in life in general. He's he's taught me more than I can ever give anybody credit for. Yeah, it's it, those relationships are so special. Um, I, I have to I have to agree with you. My mentor and I still talk consistently. Coach shirts down at Lincoln Memorial and man, like, you know, like it's a profession. This is how you're a professional in, in what we do and uh, and then go do it, you know, do it to the best of your ability. So that kind of freedom is. Uh, incredible as a learning experience, that kind of freedom that uh, Coach Bury gave you. So you have this incredible relationship with Coach Bury, and he prepares you to become, you know, the head coach at St. Rose where you played. Now you've been an assistant for 12 years. You have players that you recruited. You have players that you have a very unique relationship with as an assistant coach. What, what was the transition like to be taking over a program that you'd been so heavily involved in and what we can agree is like a totally different role. And you're the assistant. It's a totally different role in terms of your relationship and your dynamic with the players. Like now you got to be the guy. What was that transition like? What kind of adjustments did you have to make when you became the head coach following Coach Beery? Yeah, it was uh, a bit of a, an adjustment as far as, as my role. Um, I think every year we talk about roles on the team with players and coaches. And every, every year your role may be different. I know I remember one year a coach was kind of in and out and, he, you know, he had some health issues. So, you know, your role one day was, you know, to be an assistant. The next day you were in charge of practice. So I really uh, had to just kind of find what, what worked for me. Uh, coach said the best thing that he could teach me is not what, what to do well is what not to do. He's like, right. and, and, and I really took that advice, you know, because there's going to be some things that he did where I really liked and then other things he did or I didn't like. And he said it's just as much as finding things I didn't like. Uh, and I, so I really had to create my own kind of uh, unique sense of, all right, how do I want to get after these guys? And, you know, uh, open line of communication and, you know, more business-like where as an assistant, you're patting on the back and, you, and you're making sure that they got, you know, enough food to eat and, and enough, you know, water to drink, you know, and as the head coach, you have so many other things to worry about. So I think uh, from that standpoint, uh, it was a little bit of a challenge because I was used to always making sure guys needed, had everything they needed. Uh, and now it was all right. I have to I have to delegate some responsibility, like Coach Bury delegated to me, 
you know, I have a young assistant. So, I, you know, I had to make sure that I could trust him and delegate some things that he could handle on his own. So for me, delegating responsibility was a huge thing that I had to learn, uh, especially uh, the first couple of years. And then, you know, secondly, when you slide over those 18, 20 inches on the bench to the next seat, you know, it's uh, those bus rides home after a loss are way harder than it was, you know, when you were just the assistant uh, where, you know, you did what you needed to do. You, you, you wrote the scout. You had it scouted out properly. You know, you had them prepared. You had them fed well. And then they have to go out there and they have to perform. And, you know, if you make a mistake or, you you know, you, know, you take a, a substitution and or a time time score situation situation, uh, you know, there's just a lot to think about. And you replay that game over and over and over and, you know, some sleepless nights as a head coach, uh, a lot more sleepless nights than as an assistant. I'll tell you that much. So that was that was a big thing to really cope with success as well as failure uh, from a head coaching standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Used to talk all the time with, with Josh uh, Shirts about, you know, he used to tell me, listen, I'm getting paid to make decisions. You're getting paid to make suggestions. So, you know, like you can suggest all you want, but until you get in, until you get in this chair, you have no idea, you know? And uh, yeah. so, yeah, it's a big transition, um, a, a big transition. I think um, to go from being an assistant where your relationships are so social in nature with, with the players, you know, like you said, you're trying to console them, help them. You know, you really, uh, you're not on them, like getting on guys is an art form and you really have to find out what works for your personality. So, uh, so I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And we're talking about your team. Now you've had a handful of practices. You got to do some five on five. What was your feel? You know, if you just stop, your practice, uh, you know, November, uh, you know, end of November, early December. And you said, Hey, like we're getting, we're, we're playing a game in 48 hours. How would you have felt about your team? I would have felt pretty strong. Uh, my biggest c uh, concern, uh, was their conditioning. Uh, you know, as much as you, you run and you can, and you can run, you know, up and down as many times as you like, you know, uh, sets of lines, 17s, whatever you want to call them. I think the biggest thing for me was I was concerned with their conditioning because as much as you run, uh, you see guys and they're playing five on five and you're defending and you're running the floor and you're setting screens and you're guarding, you know, off the ball. That's a completely different type of conditioning and not having the opportunity to play as much five on five as I like right. because of the phased in approach. I think the biggest concern I would ha I had was their conditioning. As far as talent-wise, I think that we're extremely talented. Uh, we have a senior from Saratoga, Adam Anderson, who is going to be a, a first or second team all-league player for us, uh, you know, four-year starter, actually. Uh, you know, we have uh, Cartier Bowman coming back, who would be a sophomore. He's on the all-rookie team last year. Uh, Eric, Eric um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, two, two freshmen, I should say. Uh, Eric Fleming was the, the other one I was talking about. He got some, some, some limited minutes, but he's a, another Jersey guy who's really expected to do big things for us this year. And then we had uh, really two really dynamic freshmen who I expect really big things from uh, a kid from Shalman High School, Shane O'Dell, uh, and a point guard uh, who played at Canterbury School down in Connecticut last year, uh, Trayvon Alexander. And, you know, he's, he's really a dynamic point guard, a guy that we haven't had in a long time that I think is going to really add to what we're trying to do and, and the style that we're trying to play. Uh, I think Shane could be a, an all rookie type candidate. So I think we have a lot of good pieces in place. Uh, we took a transfer, Gabriel, uh, Joseph Bryan, who was just built like a, like an ox that that's inside that can really bang and really do some things around the work. So as far as pieces are concerned, 
We have plenty of pieces. I'm just looking forward to seeing them play so I can see how they're gelling and what they need to work on, what we need to do as a group in order to see that gel. So I'm more anxious, I think, to see them play than they are. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I think any type of season that we get as far as, you know, 10 games, 15 games, uh, three games in that for that for that sake, just to give us some film, just to give us an idea of who we can be. And then, you know, go out and get the pieces that we need uh, moving forward to really build this thing back up to a lead up. Uh, yeah. Lead and, and, you know, I looked at I looked at Anderson uh, and Cartier Bowman uh, as I was doing my research. You know, Anderson shot 60 percent from beyond the arc last year. So to have that kind of stretch player is uh, is tremendous. He averaged 15 a game coming back for you. Uh, Cartier Bowman, you know, he averaged 11 and seven. And he shot 58% from the field. He led the conference in field goal percentage. Um, talk about the dynamic between those two. How do they fit in terms of what you brought in? Yeah, I think the one thing that we were missing is a point guard to get those guys the ball. And for them to, to shoot the percentages that they shot was really uh, beyond what we could have thought uh, because they really weren't getting spoon-fed anything. Uh, Cardi doesn't get any spoon fed baskets. Everything he got was on his own, whether it was slashing to the rim or getting on the offensive glass, you know, Adam had to really create and learn how to create for himself. Uh, now I think with the dynamic point guard that we brought in, I think he can really, you know, operate and give spoon fed baskets. I, I think, you know, coaches, coaches, the best, uh, coach Beery, his line was always at the end of the day, it's the team that scores the most easy yeah. baskets that wins. And it's such a basic thing that you can tell a second and third grade team, Hey, whoever gets the most easy baskets is the team that's going to win. And, you know, we really didn't get a lot of easy baskets the last couple of years. Everything that we got was really worked hard for. And I think uh, having this point guard um, and my expectations is that we're going to get some easy baskets this year. And, you know, we really needed that yeah, moving forward. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you got to be able to create a little bit off your defense. You got to create a little bit, you know, uh, off, off ball movement and going good to great. So, you know, getting easy baskets. And, and I think like, translating into the high school game like you make all your layups you're gonna have a pretty good chance to win in, in a high school basketball game and uh got a chance to coach against Shane O'Dell from Shamont. I really like his game I think he's a, a versatile player um you know can go inside can go outside so I, I really like him uh for you guys and I also liked um I also liked the freshman from uh Boston Spa um yes. uh, Keegan yeah yes Keegan I really uh, like Keegan both those guys yep. you know and, and one thing I think that goes uh maybe unnoticed and, and maybe a little bit unappreciated is how good uh some of the basketball is in, in the capital district I think we have some really good teams up here and and some really good players so glad to see that, that you got some uh some local flavor for sure and, and as we're talking recruiting what what you've signed um Right now, New York State, like we haven't, we have not been cleared to compete um, in, in high school basketball. How is that affecting your recruiting right now? Because this would be, this would be a big recruiting time to get out during this little break, uh, whether you're playing or not. You have time over Christmas break to get out and recruit. How is that impacting your recruiting plan going forward without New York State competing? Yeah, it's. Uh... You know, recruit daily or perish was the, the term we used to always talk about in the office, uh, you know, the, the 12, 13 years I was an assistant. And uh, that's changed a little bit. Um, I would say that we're still actively recruiting, taking phone calls, emails, uh, text messages. Um, but we're really on a, on a pause as far as, you know, what I don't want to go after somebody that I don't know if we right. need right now. So 
that's why really getting back around our team, uh, you know, we're usually late in the process. You know, a lot of the guys that we're involved with, you know, have division right. one aspirations. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't get division one talent at the NE 10 level, you're in the bottom of the league. So you really need to get division one players. So for us, it's really just evaluating who we have uh, and what we need before we go out and start making promises to, to certain individuals. So, it really is, you know, we're, we're, we're really looking at everything right now as a whole. And we, we kind of have our, our eyes on a lot of different players and, you know, a lot of players have reached out to us and we just, we're just waiting for the time that we can go see them. So, you know, like I said, we sign April, May, usually we don't really sign early in the early signing period, unless it's like a no brainer and we right. really need that position. Uh, so, so for us, I'm hoping that at some point here in the next couple months there, you know, they give these kids at least the opportunity, you know, even if it's open gym where, you know, our staff can get out and watch kids play live. I think, you know, March, April, May, if, if we really if we can get some of these guidelines in place, I think that it could be the busiest time, you know, of the year for us um, and really be able to get a chance to watch as many kids as we can, you know, uh, after we watch our own team, hopefully in the month of February and March and, and be able to figure out what exactly we need and how to, how to pursue those yeah, guys. It's, it's a big change. I mean, I talked to a coach down in Florida yesterday, he was on the road recruiting, you know, their high schools are wide open and playing. So there is a bit of a head start. but division two, like you said, a lot of, a lot of programs are operating late in the signing period. So uh, with, with that being said, the NCAA granted a, an extra year of eligibility, regardless of how many games you play in this current season. So next year, uh, you could have everybody back. You could lose a few. How will, uh, how will that impact your group going forward? Do you have some guys that are seniors that may or may not opt in or opt out? How do you feel about that NCAA rule, and how do you see it affecting St. Rose? I think the rule is great, um, especially for the younger freshman, sophomore class, even junior class. I think for the seniors, it's really challenging that it's more on them. You know, um, luckily for us, we only have two of them. Uh, One of them is actually going to graduate with his undergrad and his master's degree. So he'll have uh, and he was also injured a year. So he actually has two years eligibility. So that's a conversation for him and his family. Uh, Obviously, if we keep, keep him in our program, that's something that we'd like to do. But. I just told him to just make sure he's just finishes up what he needs to and, and make sure he gets those two certificates. Cause that's what college is all about in the first place is to get a, a degree and uh, he's going to graduate with a master. So that's great. And then, you know, you have other seniors who are, you know, kind of on the borderline. Do I want to play another year? Do I want to go somewhere else? Do I want to, you know, get a job? Do I want to try to go overseas and play? I mean, so they have so many options. I think, uh, they're like, uh, you know, they're taking the same advice that we've been giving them since the beginning is take it day by day. It's not anything that we have to decide at this moment. You know, it's only it's going to be January soon. These decisions won't have to be made until April. And hopefully by I'm hoping by March, April, we have a kind of a clear idea of where we're headed as, as, a, as a nation. And, you know, what you know, maybe there's some things that kind of ease up as far as restrictions and we can fi- figure out where we're going and what we're doing. So I really think I told them just to be patient and just enjoy their senior year as much as they can enjoy it. You know, uh, finish up their classwork. I was really proud of our group with 3.5 GPA. Uh, as a team, which was really uh, again, says Coach, a lot. How high was um, it? We had over a three point five as a, as a congratulations. Group. We had, uh, several guys, yeah, thank you. We had several guys, three seven, three eight, uh, a couple of four O's. So we really have a really bright group, um, and that's you know that's what we talk about in the recruiting process. Is listen, you're here to play basketball and represent the college, but the first thing you're here for is to get an education. And you know we've really been harping on that, and and coaches really taught me that. You know everybody that played for Coach Bury 
uh, got that degree. I can say that now because Garth Joseph, I don't you know if, <laughs> if I don't remember, if you know remember him. He was a seven foot two um, monster. Yeah. I call him uh, who, who played back in the '90s and wound up uh, being a couple of credits shy of graduating. Uh, and he wound up, you know, he, he got a couple of cup of coffee in the NBA, and he wound up playing overseas for a while. And he he came to school uh, the last year or two uh, before the pandemic and finished That's his degree. Awesome. So uh, we're proud we're proud that he got it and got his degree after all that time. So you know, but that's the number one thing. You're going to be here. You're going to represent the college. You're going to represent St. Rose men's basketball, and you're going to get your degree. So those three things are key, and uh, that's what we continue to talk to these guys about. That's awesome. That's awesome. That that GPA being a three five with multiple guys above that is is something to be very proud of. Coach, we are coming up on our 45 minute window, and I want to respect your time. So I, I have one last question for you, and what was it like? the first night when you walked through the doors of your alma mater at St. Rose and, and got to serve as the head coach in that first game, what was that moment like for you? Uh, it was, it was surreal. It really was. It was, uh, you know, I, I, I got goosebumps now, even you asking that question cause it brought me back exactly uh, the way I walked into that gym. I just kind of took a deep breath and I just, you know, thank God for everything that he's given me in my lifetime. You know, uh, I thank Coach Bury for everything he's given me and, you know, uh, and the college for giving me the opportunity to continue, uh, you know, his legacy. So uh, at the end of the day, I just I felt really, uh, really proud, uh, really something that's a real big accomplishment that nobody can ever take away from me uh, is, to, is to work as hard as I did, you know, as a player. And then again, as an, as an assistant and have the opportunity to coach uh, a place that I love and a place that, you know, I, I never want to leave. Uh, to me, that's something special, and, and a lot of them get a chance to experience in that. So uh, with that said, uh, you know, I can't be more proud of, of, of that accomplishment. Well, Coach, congratulations on all your accomplishments. Uh, I want to take a moment and, and thank you, but also acknowledge you for what you've done, you know, at St. Rose. You've been such a prominent figure in the Capital District in basketball, along with Coach Bury. Uh, I don't want that to go overlooked. You've had such a positive impact on so many players both inside and outside of your program. Same for Coach Beery and all his time at St. Rose. So I want to acknowledge you for your positive contributions, not only to, to St. Rose and to your program there, but to countless individuals you know, uh, across uh, the Capital Region and New York State and upstate New York. So you know, kudos to a job well done. You know, my fingers are crossed so you guys get to play so I can come down and watch some basketball. I'm hoping you guys get some home games where I can sneak in on a media pass and uh, get down there and watch some watch some hoop. I mean, nothing would be better than be in the gym with you and, uh, and, and see your team compete this year. So best of luck, Coach, and, and thank you so much for doing this today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed the time. Stay well. As we wrap up this episode of the Bonafide Basketball Podcast, a very happy holiday to you and your families. Thank you for all the listens so far in 2020. We look forward to presenting more news, notes, analysis, and insight into NCAA Division II basketball in the future. Please stay vigilant, stay safe as we navigate this holiday season together. And stay excited. Remain optimistic for basketball season as we do because we will have a New Year's Day episode scheduled already for release on January 1st, 2021. 
special interview featuring Coach Tobin Anderson, the head men's basketball coach at St. Thomas Aquinas College, currently number seven in the country and preparing to start their season on January 9th, 2021. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the Bonafide Basketball Podcast for our weekly episodes. The Bonafide Basketball Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and more. If you liked this episode, if you want the most up-to-date news, insight, analysis of NCAA Division II men's basketball, follow the Bonafide Basketball Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you.